Packers star offensive lineman David Bakhtiari is not going to be ready for training camp. So where do the Packers go from here? Plus, quietly this offseason, in typical Packers fashion, they extended their brain trust, what that means about the future of the Green Bay Packers. All of that coming up on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! We're locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. We touched on the David Bakhtiari news yesterday on the show. Lily Zhao and I talked about training camp and and training camp opens today in earnest. Uh, we will hear from Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst tomorrow. So we will get some kind of update on what happened with David Bakhtiari. And that part of this is crucial in understanding why he is physically unable to perform because if this is more complications if this is there are certain it's hard to even speculate because we don't we don't really know what's going on yet but so it's hard to put you know frame it in context it depends on what happened so let's say he had a setback it was reported by the way he had a setback um he said there were some issues from the, the Lions game. We know about the, the fluid and all of that. Let's say he had some sort of cleanup procedure that he has now a good prognosis from. And the expectation is in two or three weeks or even a month, he's going to be cleared to go. This is the fix. And this is just really precautionary. He is rehabbing all of that. That would still be... Uh, caution inducing for me, it would still be not quite panic inducing, but it would still be something to really, really, really be vigilant of and, and somewhere on the scale of concerned, no doubt we are, we are already, we have to just set a baseline level of concern for what's going on and, and the recovery here and the setbacks and, and the new issues that have arisen as a result. And, and I think we have to wonder, even if David Bakhtiari does get back on the field this season, is he going to be the guy that we saw pre-injury, the guy that was worth that top of market contract that was worth calling the best left tackle in the league. Certainly the best pass-blocking left tackle in the league. I think Trent Williams in Bakhtiari's act, uh, absence has has taken that mantle for right now. But that's just because we haven't seen David Bakhtiari on the field. We don't know what he looks like. So the Madden ratings are cool and the pro football focus lists are cool that he's on and he's, he's deserving of all those things. We don't know what he looks like. So one of the things we asked in our Monday newsletter at The Leap a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to, is how it changes the way the Packers construct their roster. And the, the problem for them is they don't really have a lot of options because 
David Bakhtiari is going through this issue. Elton Jenkins is coming off a torn ACL of his own, although I don't think we should conflate these two situations. I don't think we can say, oh, well, because it took David Bakhtiari X amount of time, it's going to take Elton Jenkins the same amount of time, or we should be overly concerned about that. Two different bodies, two different players, two different ages, two different everythings. And so I, I, we can't we can't say, oh, because of what happened to David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, this. No, totally separate thing. Maybe we'll get an update on, on Big L. Maybe we'll get an update on Big Bob Tunyon. On, on these guys who are coming back from serious injuries, there are there's some hope that Tunyon can be ready for the regular season. He has said, essentially, that's his goal. He expects to be ready for the regular season, but whether or not the Packers doctors are actually going to clear him is, of course, a separate question. But so I was putting together my final 53 and or at least our projections for training camp and, and looking at the number of tackles that they have ready to go. It's a short list. And and the number of tackles that they probably feel good about playing in an NFL game might be one. Yash Nyman. That's it because Bakhtiari's hurt, Jenkins hurt. Well, we're projecting those to be the starters. And Yash has done an admirable job, but that's just one guy. You need someone else. Now, Cole Van Lannon was getting right tackle reps in mini camps in OTAs. They like him. I thought he had a really nice preseason last year. And he was someone who at one point in his career had the chance to be a top 100 pick. I, I think there was even a Todd McShay mock draft at some point, uh, one of those way too early mocks where Cole Van Lannon was in the first round. Now, that just didn't end up materializing over the course of his career for a number of different reasons. But I think he's a really nice player. Can he be a, a, a replacement level NFL starter? Even that is a question right now because we just haven't seen him in enough NFL action to make any kind of assessment about what kind of player he's going to be. Do I think he has the potential to be a capable NFL starting offensive lineman? Yes, I do. Does that mean he's going to be that? No. It doesn't. That's not enough because I think the same is true of the guy they took in the seventh round. And when you when you have the ability of some of these players, you, when you have the ability of someone like Rashid Walker, you bet on talent. He did not progress the way that you want, but based on talent, I thought that was a top 120 kind of player. I thought he was a, an early day three kind of talent. He falls for a number of reasons. Now, Sean Ryan played tackle at UCLA. I thought had a chance to play tackle in the NFL. Maybe we see him more at tackle in camp precisely because we don't know what's going on. Could we, could we see him get some left and right tackle reps? I think they would be wise to do that. Zach Tom. The length is a question there, but but he handled some really good players at Wake Forest. Uh, I, I think he he cost Jermaine Johnson a lot of money uh, at Florida State in that game because Zach Tom absolutely worked him in that game. I think he can play guard. I think he can play center. And I think he could play tackle for you in a pinch. Uh, the Ryan is the guy I want to see because Royce Newman, I, the, the anchor is a question. He's already having some issues with... The, the communications on twists and stunts, I think that becomes more problematic on the outside where you're left on an island unless they've seen something in, in the last six months from him that says they, they think they can, that he can do this. 
that's not probably the direction I would go. I think Sean Ryan is just more talented. I think he was a borderline first round talent, top, top 40, top 50 kind of talent. I absolutely loved him coming out. Longtime listeners of the show, short time listeners of the show. You probably know that because I was a huge fan of his pre-draft and I, he was on my list of guys. I think the Packers will take one of these guys. I was pretty sure they were going to take Sean Ryan um, and they did. Let him have a chance to play tackle. We know Yash can play left tackle. He was very good last year as a as a replacement tackle. Now, is he going to be the same guy over the course of a season? I think that's a that's a that's something that we have to see to believe. But over an eight game sample or so, look, he should have been out there in the playoff game. He was one of their best five because of the injuries that they had, and so he, he should have been out there. Could he, if he needs to be their their left tackle for the first eight games of the season? Can he do it? Yeah, he can. If he needs to be their right tackle because Bakhtiari is ready to go for the first eight games of the season, can he do that? I think so. Now, the left-right tackle switch, I think, is is underrated in terms of how difficult that can be. Um, the calls are different. The, the footwork is different. Uh, and so you're, you're, everything is mirrored. It's reversed. So it, it becomes a little bit more problematic. They don't really have guys that are preferred tackles in the league. Sean Ryan, they drafted to play guard. Zach Tom, they drafted to play guard or center. Jake Hansen is a center only. I think Royce Newman is a guard only. So you have Rashid Walker, you have Yash Nyman, and you have Cole Van Lannan. Right now, those are it at tackle on a team that just lost its best receiver that's going to rely on the running game to create a reasonable down and distances that's going to rely on the offensive line to give Aaron Rodgers time to push the ball down the field to a group of receivers that has speed to burn and and that has some limitations right now dealing with man coverage. They're going to need time to uncover. Having this kind of setback at this point is problematic. Now, again, there is a there is a certain situation that I think we can envision where we say this actually isn't that big a deal, given the facts and evidence. Okay, he had a little cleanup procedure. He's just working his way back from that. He'll be back in two weeks, three weeks, and everything's good. David Bakhtiari does not need the preseason. He does not need training camp. He just needs to get strong enough, and he needs to get his wind under him to be able to play a full NFL game. He's going to need some reps. He's going to need some practice to get there. Has not played football now, um, really, for a full game in 18-plus months. So... You, you have to get that part sorted, but by week two, week three, if he's ready, to, if he's ready to be out there week one, I think by week two, week three, if assuming he's capable of being what he was, you don't worry about that part of it, about, about the rust factor. That being said, I just laid out a lot of counterfactuals. There's a lot of hypotheticals and we don't have those answers. So we need them. We need to know what's going on. To, to have an understanding of how serious and how concerning this is, but this is this is high alert. Did you did you notice I eschewed the colors because I don't I don't know other than red alert what the other colors are. Someone help me out on that. Uh, and that's that's right now the biggest bigger than the number one receiver question for the Packers is this issue of the future of David Bakhtiari. This is the biggest question facing Green Bay this season right now. All right, more to come on the Packers investing in their brain trust, their administration. Before we do that, let's talk about 
investing, or at least let's talk about money, which we'll be doing, of course, with these contracts. And let's talk about Dave. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. Have you ever needed extra cash? I have. 100%. I have. I have needed my paycheck to go a little further than it was ready to go that week. When I had peanut butter a couple more times than I wanted to on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because I was waiting to get to that next paycheck. The more money you can have, the easier it becomes to pay your bills, right? That's just how math works. Who couldn't use a little extra money? The more money to fill your tank, more money to catch up on bills, to buy a wedding gift. You can finally tackle those expenses you've been stressing about without any hangups, and there's no interest, no credit checks needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app from the App Store. That's D-A-V as in Victor, E. Sign up for extra cash and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. So quietly and without fanfare, I think that was the phrasing from the initial report, um, the Packers have extended Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinst, Russ Ball, Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy, by the way, has to retire in a couple of years by rule uh, as the Packers president. You reach a certain age, you're out. It was weird that Matt LaFleur was going to coach this season without a new deal. It was weird that Brian Gutekinst was going to administer, he was going to generally manage this team on the last year of his deal, especially given the successes that they've had. Now, this is also just how the Packers work. Okay, you're going into last year. Here's the extension. So we're, we're beyond that. No weirdness. They don't have to go into the regular season asking any questions. And there, there weren't any about Matt LaFleur. There were not any questions about Matt LaFleur as a coach. He has answered every question you could have. Is he a strong enough personality to deal with Aaron Rodgers? Unequivocally, yes. Is he a good enough leader to pull them out of the muck and the mire of the end of the McCarthy area? And the, the toxicity there cannot be overstated. It had gotten bad in that locker room. It had gotten complacent in that locker room. And Matt LaFleur in an instant, changed all that. And you talk to players, we've had players on the show come on and say, it was different when Matt LaFleur showed up. You could feel it. And even Billy Turner, uh, you said on, on our show a couple years ago, back in that first season, he wasn't even there for Mike McCarthy. So he didn't get to see you know, this transition, but he got to feel what it was like for Matt LaFleur to stand in front of that room and say to everyone, this is how we're doing this now. And I know a lot of you have done it this other way for a long time. That's not how we're doing it anymore. We're doing it my way. And not in a, a drill sergeant kind of way, not in a condescending kind of way, but just in a, hey, if you buy in, this is going to work. Trust me. Let's go do it. And guess what? It's worked. Now, you can, you can look at the playoff success. You can point to it and say, okay, but he hasn't won the big games. I would push back a little and say the 49ers were clearly a better team in that game on the road in San Francisco in a game where your defense got absolutely chuck-sticked. That is is not really a Matt LaFleur issue. They were just not good enough. I wrote about it uh, at Acme Packing Company at the time that too many of these playoff losses came in situations where the Packers were the inferior team. 
And that seems like a weird thing to say, right? The inferior team should lose. Yes, but you should not have the inferior team when you have Aaron Rodgers. And that speaks to roster construction problems elsewhere. Now, did Rodgers play great in that game? No, he, he played very poorly in the first half. Played much better in the second half trying to catch up, which is somehow a weird criticism of his. Like, oh, he doesn't play from behind. I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, it's such a stupid conversation to even have and engage with. So I, I try not to do it. But the, the Bucks game, there are reasonable questions about what happened at the end of that game. There were also just... Little issues at the end of the first half. The defensive blown assignment, Kevin King. You have a dropped interception in that game um, from your backup safety in there. Uh, you have Devontae Adams dropping a back shoulder fade touchdown. That would have been, uh, if you if you add the field goal um, or take away the field goal and add the touchdown instead, that's, the, that's the, the margin of the game. Aaron Rodgers misses Devontae on another throw. So... Mrs. Mrs. Marquez Valdez Scantling on a shot play that would have been a touchdown if he makes an accurate throw. Those are just like little things here and there that cost you the game. I think the 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 point where you start to go, okay, we really need to see something now is after the 49er game. The second 49er game. I don't think you can hang the big playoff losses on Matt LaFleur. And by the way, we have to acknowledge his game plan for the Seahawks game was incredible. Tyler Irvin package. Seahawks didn't have an answer. They had two specials for Devontae Adams. Both of them scored touchdowns. These are special concepts you put in that you have ready to go, and they scored on them. They needed them in that game, and they win. And his plan against the Rams was perfect. Run the ball, soften up that defense, get those safeties coming down, and then at the opportune time, hit that play-action shot over the top that was how they won the game. He had a very good plan in that game. So we can't, uh, this happens all the time. You, you focus on the negatives at the expense of the positives. Because it, it's, it's like the LeBron James things. Oh, he, won, he lost all those finals. Okay, but he got there. So yeah, he has this losing record in finals, but he's been to a dozen of them. Michael Jordan is 6-0 in finals games. Okay, what is he in the Eastern Conference? Finals. What is he in the Eastern Conference semifinals? Because guess who always won those games? LeBron. And so we penalize them for not winning the big game, but don't penalize them for the other the other games. Or we don't credit them for winning the Eastern Conference semifinals. We 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 ding them for the loss instead. So no credit to the Rams game, a game where a lot of people pick the Rams, like Seahawks. A lot of people pick the Seahawks. You don't get credit for winning those games. Because you lost the next week? That, we can't do that. We can't do that. So Matt LaFleur deserves the credit for those wins. He also, I think the, the criticism becomes fair after the 49er game. That is fair to go, we needed more from you, Matt LaFleur, as, as the Packers organization. The Packers needed more from him in that game. Now, who knows how much of that is Aaron Rodgers? Because the 49ers dared him to throw checkdowns, didn't really want to do it, dared him to throw dump-offs to Josiah DeGuara, didn't really want to do it. They defensively played into Aaron Rodgers when he gets pressured, wanting to feed the ball to Devontae Adams. Matt LaFleur was also part of the coaching cognoscenti that sent that five out there instead of Yash Nyman. For the second year in a row, in my opinion, blew 
the decision of who to play on the offensive line. I thought they they tried to get way too cute against the Bucs. I thought Elton Jenkins should have played tackle, although he was not great at guard in that game either. And I thought Nyman should have been out there last year. I said that at the time. And so it was not even post-facto Monday morning quarterbacking. It was, this is who I think should be out there before the game. Dennis Kelly was a disaster. Rick Wagner was a disaster playing hurt, all that stuff. You have to be able to get past those things. That being said, Matt LaFleur has done so much of what was beyond, I think, expectation. And you you have this gutting loss. I've said over and over, I don't think he's going to get the credit he deserves as a coach until he wins games with someone like Jordan Love and not Aaron Rodgers. Who knows when or if that's going to happen. But now it looks like it is going to happen because Aaron Rodgers not going to play probably more than two more years, three more years. Matt LaFleur probably going to be the coach unless he gets Tony Dungy and they just keep going to the NFC Championship game or the divisional round and losing. I also don't see that happening. I think he's a young coach that has plenty of upside. The other part of this is Brian Gutekunst because Brian Gutekunst keeps building these rosters that are championship level. And so for whatever criticisms that you had of Brian Gutekunst not being Elliot Wolf basically was the only criticism. Um, by the way, Brian Gutekunst has been a GM over that period of time. Elliot Wolf has not, not like not, not even really that close to being a GM. I think Packer fans overvalued him because of his last name. And that happens a lot in the NFL. Unfortunately, it happens from coaches and from teams. They value the last name over the actual ability. Brian Gutekunst is one of the best general managers in the league. The Devontae Adams situation, weird, not really his fault. Um, Jordan Love, certainly his call, but Matt LaFleur loved it too. I don't think because of what everything that else has happened, I don't think we need to hang that decision on Brian Gutekunst and say, okay, well, that was a, that was that makes you a bad general manager. You can say that's a bad decision. I understood it at the time, um, or at least I came to understand it, I'll say. Um, but everything that has transpired before and and since. Jair Alexander, the trade, Darnell Savage, that first free agency with Amos and Smith and Smith and Turner and, and the guys that they have brought in this locker room, the consistent talent that they've added, bring, finding Elton Jenkins and, and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and all of these guys. I guess it would be the A.J. Jones or Aaron Jones extension. Russ Ball also plays a part because they have consistently been in good cap health, pandemic notwithstanding. And even with the pandemic, they were able to mess around with the cap, figure it out. And I don't think they've had to move on from any players that they felt like they really, really, really wanted to keep for financial reasons. They were willing to pay Devontae Adams what he wanted. He wanted to go somewhere else. And the Packers and Zadarius Smith were done. That was just not going to happen for a number of reasons. Money, I don't think, was the biggest reason. I don't. I don't. I think it was a good Excuse is the wrong word, but it was a good impetus for them to say, we're going to move on. We're going to wash our hands of this. And that's that. So you have these three, these three people who have to work in concert 
to put together a quality team. And you say, okay, they've done a really good job managing all of this. And the Aaron Rodgers situation, yes, they participated in that. Was it their fault? I mean, looking back on it now, do you blame those people? I I don't. Part of that is because we're talking about simmering, simmering resentment over decade with Aaron Rodgers and some of the issues that he's had. Go back to Ted Thompson that he blames the team for. It's not Brian Gutekunst's fault. It's not Matt LaFleur's fault. Maybe you could say Mark Murphy, but he's not, or at least hadn't been the kind of hands-on president that he could have been. So... And he's, by the way, they're going to have to find a new person for that job. And there have, Russ Ball was a name that had been out there. there. Ted Thompson was a name that had been out there. Hey, we actually push him into that role. And, uh, you know, that'll be, that'll be a way to move on from him. Not going to happen, by the way. But, and obviously, Ted Thompson, rest in peace. This, when you talk about the top of your organization, the coach, the GM, and you, you always need someone holding the purse strings, the cap guy. Those three are as good as any three in the league. And for the Packers, it means that regardless of what happens with Aaron Rodgers, I think you, you feel good about this as a fan of the team, as a steward of the team, as a player on the team, a young player on the team, that this team is going to be able to compete for a long time to come. All right, we have a lot more to get to this week. Training camp opens, as I mentioned. We're going to hear from um, the coach and the GM tomorrow. Maybe there are updates that can be useful. We will be following the David Bakhtiari story. Of course, we will be following what is happening on the field to keep you updated on everything going on with the Green Bay Packers. That's what we do here. So that, that's something to look forward to this week. And then like we're like not that many days away from actually seeing them play football. In terms of preseason, like it's almost August. So uh, this is this is the fun part. It's almost football season. It really is almost football season. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. All right, back tomorrow. Five days a week now that we are in camp. We're still going to have a summer Friday. I am back in the States. I apologize for the lateness of this episode. Those of you who are used to getting up at, you know, the crack uh, of dawn to, to get this, uh, we're, we're just a skosh late putting it out because I was traveling um, back from a wedding. So here we are. We're back. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. Um, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.